Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science inside podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back uh, to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast. I'm here today with Vicky Leo, um, a yoga and meditation teacher and mental health support officer. Vicky, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Aditi. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm really excited to chat to you too, because our episode today is about um, yoga and the use of yoga and mental health and relaxation, um, which is a topic I'm actually pretty passionate about myself. So I'm quite excited to chat about this. Um, but I guess before we get into it, let's like tell me a little bit more about yourself. Um, so my name is Vicky Leo and I'm a psychology graduate currently working in the mental health care sector here in Adelaide. Um, I work in primary health care. And outside of my 925, I'm also a yoga and meditation teacher. So that's a little bit about me. That's really awesome. So do you, do you run your own studio? Um, kind of what, how does it work? So I have my own yoga business, but at the moment I'm teaching at a gym and outside of that, I also teach corporate yoga um, and also group yoga. So it depends on the group of people. So sometimes cyclists or um, people who are into bodybuilding. So it just depends. And I tend to tailor my classes to the needs of my students. So they, they change a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find that the two, I mean, this seems like an obvious question, but I feel like it's worth asking how, how, how much do you feel like the two intersect with each other? Kind of the two jobs that you're doing? Oh, I think it's such a great combination because for me, I'm so passionate about mental health and psychology and from doing yoga, I got to know people. Um, I guess I get to see people from a different side. Um, so obviously in my job, um, it's behind the screen and also I look at a lot of referrals. But um, when I do yoga, I have very, um, I guess, like personal um, connection towards my students. And often like after my classes, I'll have my students come up to me and wanting to talk a little bit about their mental health, because I think when you're in that environment practicing yoga and if it if they feel safe um often it bring out a lot of emotions um so yeah it's really nice to actually see um i guess how people process their own emotions um and just the their mental health journey from two different ends of the um the lens yeah absolutely that's really cool and i i, I we're going to talk a lot more about that, um, I guess, kind of coming up. But first, we've got this segment called Have You Met Mickey Leo, uh, in which I ask you a few quick questions about yourself. Are you ready to answer them? Let's go. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite book? Um, I've got quite a few, but I definitely have a recent favorite, and it's called um, Blooming Bear by Morgan Richard Olivier. So it's actually a poetry book. It's such a beautiful book, not only just the way, um, I guess, like the way the book looks itself, but also it's like a book full of um, 
inspirations, wisdom, and also just love. The author puts so much love into the book. And like whenever I was reading the book, I just felt her energy through her words. Um, and honestly, I'll recommend this book to anyone who's going through a hard time, whether it's physically or mentally. Um, it's such a great book to help you. Um, for me, I think it helps you gain a lot more self-awareness and also just taking yourself out of your situation. Um, it's such a relatable book. And from you know reading what the author went through, even though she never um, gone into and talk about what's actually happened to her, but through her words, you can see the struggles she's had, but also how she overcomes her struggles. Um, I would definitely recommend that book to anyone, especially young women. I think women in our age group, it's such a powerful and inspiring book. Yeah, for sure. That's a really beautiful recommendation. I think poetry has a way of kind of, you have so few words, so you have to be very intentional with each and every one of them. So you really feel what they have to say. And I think poetry is such a gentle way of touching people instead of, I mean, I love reading self-help books and also like fictions as well, but sometimes the words in those categories are so strong. It's like, you know, they're almost like trying to get you, you have to think this way or do this. If you're not doing that, it's not, you know, the right way. Whereas poetry is so, um, like it's open to your own imagination and it's open for interpretation as well. Um, so it depends on your personal experience. Um, you can get a lot out of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know how to segue from that into favorite movie, but what is what is your favorite movie? It's actually a really hard question for me because I am a bit of a movie buff, so I have a lot of favorite movies. But if I was to put like into a category, like I'm a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock. So growing up, I started watching Hitchcock movies when I was very little. I don't know why my mum thought that was a great idea to get a little kid to watch psychological thrillers, but here I am now. Um, so my favourite movie by Hitchcock will be Vertigo. Don't want to go too much into it. I feel like it's just a movie that you have to watch and experience for yourself. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it if you're into psychological thrillers. It's not very scary. It's more of a no. psychological film. It's not scary, but like when you watch, especially if you watch it in the cinema setting or on a kind of a big TV screen in a dark room, I think you really feel it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's also just the way the movie's made and the way Hitchcock laid out like each layers. Like I love his movies because it's like peeling back an onion. It's like layer by layer. You already know it's an onion, but yep. you don't know until you get to the core of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love this. Um, in, I think my last recording, I had a Shrek reference as well. And now we've got like two of them. So I'm <laughs> pretty happy about that. But um, yeah, no, Hitchcock, I think is a fantastic one. And and then you can read some poetry to kind of make yourself feel better after yeah. Hitchcock. Come and do some yoga after we'll get into yeah. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what about a podcast that you've been listening to lately? Okay, that kind of goes hand in hand with my movie genre, as you will get to know me. I, like, don't get me wrong, I love um, listening to, like, self-help um, podcasts and because, you know, it's a really great way to fill in your time when you're not reading or when you're not, like, you know, when you can't sit down and look at something on the screen. But personally, I love true crime. I absolutely love Case File. Um, it's on Spotify um I've been I guess like a fan since day one there's been so many episodes I've never missed a single episode um and it's a true crime podcast um hosted by an Australian he's quite mysterious we don't know his name we don't know 
really anything about the host. Um, but he covers all these um, true crime cases, both unsolved and solved. So I love them. But it's very much of a 50-50 verdict on the podcast. Like some of my friends think, you know, he's quite boring or because the way he talks is very um, monotone. But personally, I love that because I think he's very factual and he just talks about all these cases without adding extra comments or it's not that much of an entertainment purpose. It's more so about the cases. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I'm i not so much like a fan of true crime specifically, but I'm really into um, court kind of court cases yeah. and when people just narrate them very factually and what might be happening is just crazy like it's so (laughs) wild um but the the, they just kind of lay out the facts and kind of let me create my own interpretation of what's happening I really like it that way yeah and then that way if you want to read into it more you can do your own research and find out a bit more rather than going by the comments yeah exactly exactly that's so true um a wide variety of recommendations so far (laughs) what about um your famous a famous role model that you've looked up to um in the past to be honest I don't actually have a famous role model um if I have to pick a role model I'll say my grandma my grandma from my mom's side um I don't even know how to begin like she's just an amazing amazing lady um she's gone through a lot I mean like very drastic life or death um situations in her life and she's a survivor of um, breast cancer but apart from all the things that she's experienced like she's just an amazing person in so many ways she's so creative she is so she's very well-rounded you know and I think this day and age it's so rare to see um a woman who can balance out like you know like her energy she's so you know, when you talk to her, she's so soft-spoken and she's so, you know, like she's not, she doesn't have like a rough edge to her. But then at the same time, she's such a powerful and strong person. Um, She's able to hold the space for a lot of people. Um, And yeah, like I just think her, I guess like her way, her ability to connect with people is amazing. So she lives in Shanghai and she doesn't speak Mandarin, which is like the main language that's spoken there, right? But the fact that she's able to just use sign language and use her hands and the way she talks to people, she can just have a conversation with anyone. I'm honestly like mind blown by the fact that, you know, when she came to Australia, she doesn't speak English and she's talking to people. And she's like, how? You know, because she's amazing. And I really look up to her, to her wisdom, her kindness to people and her strength in life. Yeah, absolutely. No, she sounds like an incredible person. So really adorable. (laughs) You're really fortunate, I guess, to have someone like that in your life um, as well. Um, And what about the last course that you completed? Last course I completed? Well, I've actually, I'm a psychology graduate, so I finished my bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, But also, as you mentioned, you're really interested in court. I did a um, an exchange program in Netherlands in forensic psychology, and that was a course I really loved. Um, so I did my study abroad, and I did that course over um, a winter semester, and that was just amazing. So different to what we do in Australia. Yeah, forensic psychology is, I feel like, almost a completely different um, field to like 100%. just regular psychology. It feels like a yeah. totally different universe. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of our segment. Um, so we have gotten to know you, Vicky, and now we can move on um, to, I guess, the main topic for our show, which is yoga um, and the use of yoga in mental health and improving relaxation. Um, I wanted to start off very broadly. Our show is about personal development. So I wanted to ask how you define personal development. What does it mean to you? Sure, that's such a broad um, topic. I think personally for me, personal development is a, it's an ongoing journey um, to better yourself every day. And it's not so much of a, um, I don't think there's like an end to it. It's more of an ongoing process of doing something every day to learn more about yourself and see, um, you know, to me, it's like, imagine your, your whole person is a toolkit, right? You already have all these tools in you. It's more so about learning how you can access the tools that you already have and also what, you know, what tools that you might be missing, how you can maybe get that tool in your toolkit and then use that for future um, situations. That's how I would see it in a like weird little way. Yeah, I think a toolkit is um, an interesting but very useful image to have in your head, I guess, when kind of thinking about how because at the end of the day like a lot of these things that we learn are essentially just tools to help us manage ourselves better um as opposed to I think some people try to promote them as lifestyles but it's kind of just finding a way that makes it work for you yeah definitely and in terms of personal development as well it's more of a I don't think it's a um a form of becoming just this end product it's more so it's every day you're doing something it's a it's a daily progress you know and then for me whether you know whether you're a spiritual person or not a spiritual person but you know in terms of personal development it helps you I guess get to um to have your true purpose in life you know whatever that may be for everyone it's different for everybody right yeah yeah absolutely agreed agreed and what do you feel are the main challenges um, with personal development? Um, again, I think that that's very different for every everyone. I'll talk about maybe the main challenges that I felt in my journey yeah. of um, personal development. I think the number one challenge I felt was just the idea of what personal development is. So for so long, when I was younger, I think I was trying to fit into this model of what personal development looks like you know you always hear about self-love self-care you hear about you know you need to get up and go to the gym and stay fit or you know do all these things that's sort of like that broad model of what personal development looks like um and for so long I didn't realize that it's actually a very personal journey even though it's in the name it's personal development I didn't realize it was a personal journey so I think a big challenge maybe even for a lot of people my age is that to understand what your fit of personal development looks like rather than trying to fit into this broad idea of you know how developed and how um self-actualized that you really are um so yeah it's understanding so it's like increasing your self-awareness knowing what you would like to work on knowing what like which direction you're heading into that's definitely, I think it's a challenge, but it's such a, it's worth it. You know, once you figure that out, it's, it's so, I think it's like a light bulb moment, you know? Um, and then I guess like another challenge I've personally found is, um, the consistency. 
So it's all and well when you have a motivation. You know, I feel this is one thing. It's a prime example on Mondays. When you go to the gym, the gym's usually packed on a Monday because everyone's like, I'm so ready to, you know, start the week fresh. I'm going to do that. Or, you know, New Year's, like January in general, people are just like, okay, I'm going to sign up and do this, do this and do that. Um, It's all good to have motivation, but at the end of the day, I think self-development comes with um, self-discipline. So you have to be consistent in wanting to achieve what you want to do in terms of your goals and actually doing, taking baby steps to get there. You know, it's not about taking this huge step of taking something life-changing or, you know, I don't think, sometimes it does happen for people overnight, but for the majority of us, I don't think that happens overnight. So it's about being consistent in, you know, achieving your goals. Yeah, absolutely. I think that ties into what you said earlier as well about um, personal development being a steady, constant journey and not necessarily an end goal. Like there's no destination to it. So if you're taking baby steps and and whatever it is that you've decided you need in order to improve yourself, um, it it, it kind of goes along with that, you know, you can kind of keep improving, you're not kind of doing everything at once. And it also made me think about how we were talking earlier, you were talking earlier about self-help books and how like they can be useful sometimes, but they can be very like, here's how to do it, very rigid. Um, and I feel like sometimes they promote, like they promote whatever their idea is as like the way (laughs) to develop yourself and once you've done it you are developed and I I think that's not the best way of looking at it yeah like what you were saying before I think that kind of brings me to like my third um main challenge is being flexible so you know there's one thing about um being so rigid in you know what you think you should do or what what's expected of you to be self-developed, you know, whether you're someone who say, okay, I want to be fit. And then, you know, people say, okay, well, first step is to be healthy or lose weight and all that. But it might not be the same for you. Say you might start um, a personal development goal to say, okay, I want to achieve this by, you know, a certain period of time, or at least to see a progress in that. But what happens when you reach that mark and you decide, actually, I've decided I want to work on something else now. And that's not I don't really see myself going down this path. What do you do then? It's like being able to have that mental flexibility in yourself to say, okay, well, I've actually taken multiple baby steps to get here, but now I've decided I want to work on something else. So it's the ability to to switch and say, okay, well, it's not. I've done my part now, moving on to something else rather than saying, okay, it's taken you so long to get here, I better stick to it. And then that then leads to future problems (laughs) and I think you know people change so much with time and their priorities change and so what you might want to be at a certain age um you know I'm in my 20s and that will who I am it will be very different now to who I will be I guess in my 30s and my 40s and maybe I'll want different things out of life So I'll need to improve in different ways. Yes. And I think it's important to remember that as human beings, we're constantly evolving. Um, And, you know, every day is changing and situations change and, you know, our life trajectory changes as well. So it's important to just be flexible to know, you know, you're ready, you're motivated, you're disciplined, but at the same time, it's okay if things take a different turn. 
And it's okay to have an off day, I think, as well. Oh, um, sometimes definitely. that will just happen. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, kind of let's let's talk about relaxation first. So how do you define relaxation? Well, literally just to carry on from what you were saying about when you have an off day to just stop. So to me, realize, relaxation is a state of our natural being. So when you, for example, when you look at a baby, like a newborn baby or a little toddler, obviously when they are mentally stimulated, when there's a toy in front of them or when there's people, adults making funny noises towards them, you know, they, they act towards that. But when they're just there, they're staring, they're staring to the ceiling. They're just being, they're so content. They're not jumping up and down, like full of, a full, full of excitement and being over the top happy. They're just being there. And that's definitely a state of relaxation. And it's actually our natural state of being. And I think a lot of the times we forget what, what it's like to come back to our natural state. So, you know, to, I guess like for me to describe relaxation is like a state of um, calmness and then it's also free from stress, anxiety and just in terms of like um, it's free from all your running thoughts. You're just being there. You're just existing. You're content just existing. You're not dwelling on your past. You're not thinking ahead of what you're going to do next minute or um, next day. You're just being there. Um, and a lot of the times I feel like people even forget because we're so, depending on where um, where you came from and your background or your upbringing, a lot of the times, myself included, you've been in a survival mode for so long that you forget what it's like to be relaxed. Um, and then we get this like false sense of relaxation based on, I guess, like at the moment there's a huge huge push for self-care and self-love so whenever people say if you would ask someone what does relaxing look to you it will be oh I'm in a bathtub I've got a glass of wine or something like you know it's very much of a on paper what relaxing looks like but it could be so different to anyone someone could be lying on the grass outside in the sun feeling relaxed and someone could be curling like literally curling fetus position on the couch and that's their way of relaxing. So yeah, I think it's very, very different and personal to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Would you classify stuff like, I don't know, hanging out with friends as well as like relaxation or would you say that it's kind of more of an activity? Well, I think it depends on what you mean by hanging out. So say if you are if you're dancing or you're drinking or because that's a lot of external stu um, like stimulant to your mind and your body I would not class that as relaxation because again using like referring back to the baby right like is that you know babies don't do that they they're jumping up and down or you know they they're laughing or crying when they're drinking milk or something so that's because they've been given extra stimulants to their body so I think, say, um, if you're just having a really nice conversation with a friend and you're just talking and you're sort of vibing off each other and talking and, you know, you don't feel your heart rate going up and you don't feel like, oh, I'm anxious thinking about what she might think or he might think of me, you know, in that moment, I would say that is a form of relaxation. Or if you're just hanging out with a friend, listening to music together or just sitting and being on the beach, that's definitely a form of relaxation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think 
the I guess the stimulation in that case yeah. is kind of where where it counts like how right. is your body feeling in that moment it's kind of a big part of what forms that that state Sorry. yeah um how do you feel that relaxation refers to personal development well well relaxation plays a huge role in personal development again like we say before having an off day it's like being able to stop um, whether it's in the middle of your day or at the end of your day. It's like, use an example, like going to the gym. People who are gym junkies love training and some people will train, you know, five or six days a week. But you really ever really hear someone who's a professional bodybuilder to say they will train seven days a week. They will always have a day as a rest day, right? And that's the same thing is, you know, having that pause and just stopping. It's allowing your body to... Um, process what's happened and allowing yourself to actually progress from what you've been working on so it's I think it's absolutely important for personal development and having relaxation you know added into your daily life it can help you reduce stress anxiety or just um increase your um emotional awareness within yourself and also being able to process things a lot better with more of a clear mind so yeah it's it's critical yeah, no, I I definitely, and it reminds me of something you said earlier about how we don't value relaxation enough as a society, mm-hmm. like we don't fully understand what it is. And I think we tend to kind of prioritize work and romanticize work and glorify yeah, I mean, work uh, and that culture a lot. And uh, sometimes- Hustle culture, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we tend to sometimes- um, kind of prioritize that like relaxation is a kind of a sometimes phrase is a necessary means to making all of that work better but I think it kind of needs to work the other way around I think we need to think of relaxation as kind of the priority (laughs) instead of um hustling I guess the rest of the time well the thing is I I I think I like to break it down in maybe two different segments so One thing, you know, we were talking about the hustle culture, Um, again, like coming from a migrant background and just, you know, growing up um, overseas and, you know, I, I was born in Shanghai and it's a very, very busy city and, you know, people are always on the go. And I think a lot of Asian countries in general, it's very much about you have to work so hard, you have to, you know, make sure you achieve all these things before you can have a good life. And, you know, when you see, depends again, also your upbringing as well, seeing your parents or your grandparents when they struggle or when they went through struggle, you know, they tend to tell you, you have to work hard to be able to feel good or be able to be worthy of a good life. And I think when these values are so much like ingrained in us, it becomes a habit. You know, you, you, you almost feel guilty to relax. You almost feel guilty to say, hey, I'm just going to have a break from doing what I'm doing. You know, it's almost like it's not okay. But who are you racing? Like, who are you competing this against, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because I I find that every day when we, when we go to sleep, you expect yourself to wake up the next morning. You don't just expect yourself to wake up dead, right? So you, you almost like have things planned for tomorrow, what you're going to have for lunch, whether you're going to pack something, are you having a meeting or you expect yourself to be alive tomorrow so the thing is we take that for granted it's actually 
a miracle to be able to wake up, to be alive and do all these things. So I think at the end of the day, it's not a race to get there. Um, you have, if you don't do this today, you won't be able to do that tomorrow, right? And then that's another thing. I feel like that goes into hand in hand. People feel there's a lot of expectation on how much in a day that you have to achieve you know whether it's getting your work done getting your studies done or having fitting um the number of um, meetings into your day but at the end of the day I think it's like I like to see it as like um you know life is like a track right we're running marathon so you're running your own marathon you started from here and you know maybe you started off with someone uh, or friends from school and you're running together and then after after a while, you know, someone might get tired, they need to have a break, but you're not tired yet. So you keep running your track. But then you might get tired and then your friend is like, okay, I've rested now, I'm going to keep running. So you can't compete with someone who's, who's running with you because everyone's running at a different pace. And I think that bringing back to relaxation is everyone is so busy, like chasing, thinking if I don't do this today, someone else will be doing this. Or if I if I rest now, I won't have enough time. So you're constantly running and trying to keep up with whoever's running with you. And you forget that life is like a big, you know, big lap of like marathon. You take your time, you run and you get there and you might cross path with someone who used to run with you and then they decided to have a break. And, you know, when you do that whole lap, you meet them again, you never know. So it's not, yeah, like it's not a competition. And I think having um, the self-awareness and having the self-love to be able to say, okay, I'm pulling the plug. I'm just going to rest because my body deserves that. Yeah. I think it's, I, I, thank you for sharing that story as well. I kind of went off. <laughs> no, no. Um, Cause like I've, I've been through the same thing and that, you know, I migrated to Australia when I was a child, I was born overseas um, yeah. and I came here with my family and uh, it's the same and that, you know, I come from a culture that glorifies work, that uh, celebrates work and yeah. any kind of uh, time spent idle is is considered time wasted. Um, whereas, <laughs> yeah, and I even to this day, like, um, I guess my 2023 is actually all about getting the rest and relaxation because I've had quite a lot of um, years where I've just done a bit too much and mm. um, like just I still feel so guilty when I just take days off to do nothing and I truly just plan nothing like I have no plans for the day um but it always like I never regret it at the end mm. of it like I always feel better and I always feel like when I'm coming back to whatever I have to do the next day um or the next two days if I've taken two days off um I've I've got so much more energy and I'm ready to like take it on and I just like, I think that just, that's such an important thing to kind of, especially remind people like us who have grown up in cultures um, yeah. that are really bad at reminding you how important it is. But that's why I think it's amazing that, you know, even though you feel like your schemas don't allow you to relax, you still make that um, conscious decision to say, I'm going to relax, even though you do feel guilty. And that is okay because we all have these schemas, right? And these are the schemas, these are the values and ideas that's been, you know, deeply um, put into us when we were little. So as adults, so all of a sudden, you know, we still have these, um, I guess, influence, even if we're not with our family, even if we don't have um, a, 
person standing and telling us you can't be relaxed and you know you feel that in your body so I think it's amazing that you're able to you know like push against that and slowly making your own boundary in your own well-being yeah I think it's uh it's I think I'm sure you understand it's like a journey <laughs> it's oh, not you know yeah, not easy <laughs> no not even it takes a lot of time, like even yeah. though it's not been very long now and I'm still like just racked with guilt every single time I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything, but I'm trying to slowly be better about it. I think it's just I mean, one of those things that takes practice, takes time. A hundred percent. And I don't think life ever gets easier. I think we just get better at managing it. So even though, um, like, again, like this is the whole thing with growth. Growth comes with discomfort. So even when you feel really uncomfortable to take out the time to rest, you're actually growing as a person. You are increasing your own emotional awareness to say, okay, well, I acknowledge that I'm tired. Um, I can't take on any more. I'm just going to stop. It's the same thing with, you know, that's it within your own boundaries. And I think it's important relaxation also comes into play um, if you are, um, if you're a carer, say if you're a parent, if you have kids, it's also important to draw that boundaries um, with other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that actually makes a really nice segue into like mental health and how you know, relaxation. And we'll talk a bit about yoga in a bit as well, but but how does relaxation affect the mental health? Well, so to me, like mental um, relaxation is like a reset button, right? The button's right there and we all know the button is there, but a lot of the times when we're so wrapped up in our own emotions, it's really hard to see that there's a button right there to press to say, I'm going to reset. Um, and a lot of the times, obviously mental health mental health challenges it's such a be like it's such a broad topic and there's a lot of um you know there's obviously a lot of clinical um perspective which I'm not going to go into because that's super broad but just in general as mental like mental well-being having relaxation is to it's actually a form of um what's the word detaching yourself for from all your thoughts that's how I will view that because you know, things, situations are always going to happen. You can't control a lot of situation if someone, you know, whether you work in a team or you work by yourself, um, there's always going to be a, a lot of external factors you cannot control. Um, and obviously our body, like the human body is amazing. Like it's built to help us. It's built to heal. It's built to help us fight. If we're in that uh, fight or flight situation, it's built to help us cope with you know, the most severe conditions, like, you know, same thing, like with our body, like, you know, body image as well. Like a lot of the times, all the body fat that we carry, it's literally our body's way to say, you know, if you ever go into a severe starvation, there is enough in your body that you can, you know, allow you to draw energy from. So the human body is amazing. Um, but th at the same time, sometimes our human body is overly protective for us and that's where anxiety comes into play because um you know our brain is telling us okay be prepared brace yourself something bad's going to happen or um this is going to be a threat to you even maybe it might not be now it will be a threat to you tomorrow or the next day or people judging you so there's all these thoughts that our body has created but you know in reality it's just our body um, it's a, our body's way to protect us and to, you know, make sure we're okay. But sometimes it's a little bit over, 
overbearing. It's like a helicopter parent, you know, like our body's doing that. So being able to relax is, um, it's a conscious decision. It's a conscious decision to say, okay, body, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge that you are doing what you can and you're doing what you know for me. But at the same time, what you're doing right now isn't working and I could really take a break from that. And it's a decision to detach yourself from these thoughts because you can, you know, you can return to these thoughts anytime. You know, your body is always going to be there to catch you when you fall. It's more of a taking this mental awareness to say, I'm separating um, my, my, how I feel like the sensations in my body away from my thoughts. And by having, um, for me, I think having daily relaxation can a hundred percent increase your mental well-being. And obviously there's a lot of more severe um, mental health challenges that you may need to seek professional help. But as an individual, there are a lot of things we can do to increase our mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my favorite things that um, I heard someone, one of my favorite ways I heard someone describe anxiety was a fight or flight response that's just working a little too hard, yeah. <laughs> essentially, like it's just doing a bit too much. And I think um, sometimes it's very, our brains are so powerful and it's very easy for us to get stuck in um, when we're anxious, when we're depressed yeah. um, and when we're not kind of fully mentally healthy. They're, okay. they're just so good at kind of derailing I guess the things that you feel you need to do for that day um I guess that kind of like my next kind of question with that is you know for people who do have you know anxiety and depression which unfortunately is quite prominent I think um nowadays or people are getting diagnosed a lot more frequently um how how do they detach themselves from their body from their from their brain and and embrace that relaxation and get into that state well that's when yoga can be super beneficial um yeah so i guess like i don't know if you want to kind of delve into a little bit of background of yoga or yeah, how that might absolutely um, give us let's have it let's define yoga what is yoga <laughs> tell us tell us everything define, well okay <laughs> I'm, I'm not i'm not a yoga guru so i'm not going to go into all the you know history and philosophy of yoga because i you know i feel like there's a lot more for me to learn to be able to be an expert in this field but like i said i think with yoga itself it's it's a mindfulness practice right and yoga is so um versatile in a way so some people might do yoga as a form of um physical exercise because you know you always hear people say doing power yoga strong flow helps you lose weight and you know I think in a way personally I think it's being marketed in a you know a fitness fitness um aspect but to me like coming back like with yoga it's more of a um bring the journey back internally it's an inward journey right so with yoga, there's so many different ways you can practice it and there's so many different ways to utilize yoga to help you um, strengthen your mental health, like what you're saying for people with anxiety or depression. Obviously, there's a lot more um, issues that we need to work through, but just as a, um, a tool, again, adding a tool into your toolkit um, is to be mindful in your own existence. It sounds a little bit abstract, but it's more so... You know, just even in the way 
we breathe, even in the way, you know, say if you're practicing yoga on a yoga mat, the way your fingers and your toes touch your mat, it's that physical sensation if you're a sensory person, you know, feeling that sensation and also being so mindful of what's going on. So I like to say it's almost like you're doing a um, a mental scan. So imagine, you know, people do like an x-ray scan, but it's like a mental scan. You're scanning from the crown of your head, scanning all the way down. Okay, scanning your head, what's going on? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you have a million thoughts running around? How are you feeling in your face? Are you frowning? Are you you know, is your mouth like tightened? Is your mouth feeling really dried? Or how's your throat feeling? How's your um, chest? And I think yoga is such a nurturing um, tool for people to explore their own elements, to explore what they feel. You know, it's very different. Some people, like I've seen a lot of my students, some people are so powerful when they're practicing yoga. They, it's almost like they're releasing all their frustrations through yoga. And some people, going to my class a super zen and they're super you know it's just their time to relax it's their time to be non-judgmental to just put a put a pause on their day so yoga is so it's very very different um for everybody and I think you can give or take there's a lot of things you can get out of doing yoga um and just to go, go back to your question as well how um I guess like stringy like yoga with relaxation and mental health. So I find, you know, if you were to say to someone, oh, why don't you just relax? You know, as, I don't know, as a female, when someone tells you, oh, just calm down, just relax. Like you feel your blood boiling, right? You're like, how, what do you mean? Don't tell me to calm down. I think a lot of girls can probably relate to that when someone, especially a guy tells you to calm down and you're like, <laughs> so so it's the same thing when someone is super anxious or someone who have major depression you tell them why don't you just relax and why don't you just feel happy just just chill you know that imagine like hearing that and also just having that um expectation on someone to say oh i just i I just have to relax how do we do that you can't just tell someone to do that so for me i think yoga can be a, a nice little bridging tool so going from, you know, having your state of being anxious, state of being depressed, or just state of chaos, right? Going through this bridge through yoga, obviously there's so many other ways you can do, you know, it's music or physical exercise. There's a lot of things people people can do, but yoga is just one of the tools that, one of the bridges you can use to cross that and then coming down into a state of relaxation. That's how I'll yeah. describe that. Yeah, no, I really like, I first of all love the term state of chaos. I'm going to be using that as a descriptor for most of my life, I think. Um, But uh, yeah, I guess kind of using that to kind of help you move into a state that kind of makes sense. Something I really like when you said was um, doing that mental scan through your body and kind of figuring out you know, when you're kind of going through it, so to speak, you know, where in your body are are you holding kind of all of that stress and all of that tension? I feel like it really helps connect what's happening in your head to what's happening in your body um, in a way that I think we don't realize or is not immediately obvious to most people. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Thank you. I'm glad. Um, And also, you know, we always throw around the word emotion right like we say oh I'm feeling all these emotions and even you was just saying before 
we don't realize what emotions we're holding in our body or the tension we're holding but really like emotion this is not from me I've obviously read that from somewhere and I just can't remember who's this brilliant person for saying that but this person said that emotions it's just energy in motion so basically we have all these energies in our body whether it's a you know this certain burst of energy where we feel like we want to go out and achieve all these things and you know get our day started all this energy or feeling lethargic or I'm a bit slow today I'm not feeling great I'm just not having you know I'm having an off day like what you said before so there's so many different types of energies and I think a lot of the times especially now in a society where we really prioritize and focus so much on mental well-being or feeling happy and being well and being all positive and I think that puts such an emphasis on basically saying all the other energies that we feel is bad right like if you're not feeling happy if you're not feeling calm you must be depressed you must be so anxious you must be again in the state of chaos but at the same time I think we forget like as human beings like all these energies we feel it's so normal like this is all part of being a human and so I don't like to class you know a certain type of energy is good or bad so so with yoga a lot of that will come out so for example um we'll get a bit more into it because there are different types of yoga and I teach three different styles as well so depending on what style of yoga you do um especially a lot of females when we do certain hip opening poses it brings out a lot of past trauma and it brings out a lot of um you know these deep like ingrained um energy in our lower part of our body and when that comes out it's just so overwhelming I've had students crying in my class I've had males crying in my class and you know because it's so overwhelming but at the same time I think it's so important to have that awareness to know these um, these energies they just need to be moved around and moved out of your body rather than holding them down you know and like a lot of the times you know when you feel anxious you're sort of like sitting you know quiet in a tight spot or people cross their legs or you know um I guess same thing with food sometimes people binge eat because it's just a way of you know it's subconsciously people are trying to ground their energy down by putting more food into their body you know that way they feel a bit more grounded but obviously um sometimes when it's overdone like your body will retaliate and say well what are you putting all these things in me I can't I can't do it so it's about like moving that energy out of your body um so doing yoga like that so it's just such a helpful way for people to recognize um how you're feeling in your body where it is in your body how you can um work with your body to become one with yourself yeah yeah for sure um I guess I would love to kind of go in and talk about the three styles of yoga that you know, but in the interest of, in the interest of time, Mm -hmm. I might kind of move on into, um, I guess a practice, um, a practice slash habit experiment debrief, Mm -hmm. um, in which we, we can kind of get people started, I guess, in the, in the, in the process and, and getting into the practice of yoga. Um, so Vicky, what is a practice that you have done yourself? or you would like to recommend to people um, to either maximize their yoga routine or begin a yoga routine or just in general improve the way that they relax? Sure. Um, it's uh, it's hard because I want to say there's two I really want to say, but 
you know, I guess for the sake of timing as well, we'll just focus on one. Um, initially, I wanted to say meditation. But again, meditation itself, it's such a big word and a lot of people feel overwhelmed because they don't know how to do it. So for me, I like to say journaling. And I know mm -hmm. journaling has been talked about by a lot of people and you know every time when people say self-love you can think of someone taking out a journal dear diary writing all that but I actually think journaling mindfully journaling is actually a form of meditation because even though you know you have your eyes closed you're not sitting there having your hands in a mudra it's actually a way of meditating so the way I see it for in terms of a practice you can do it's not about writing in the fancy way of saying oh my gosh like this is the day this is all happened it's about being mindful of the words that you're putting down the energy that you're unleashing and you know actually noticing what's happening in your body and how um how your brain chemical your brain chemical is like being altered while you're writing things down because journaling comes in so many different forms it doesn't have to be writing something down it doesn't have to be you know some people can journal on their phone by typing into their note apps or um some people like to write like the old school way and i'll actually introduce another way i think it's another way of journaling that you know it's easier to practice if people are a bit more of a visual or um if they're a bit more on the go um is to you can either use your phone to do a voice recording so it's almost like what we're doing in a podcast, but just having a conversation with yourself. When I say journaling, I, to me, like this is the way I personally practice is having a honest conversation with myself. Generally say like, you know, whether imagine you're talking to a friend or someone that you can really trust, what would you say to someone about the situation that you went through today or just how you feel today? having that conversation, you know, and I think it's so powerful when you can hear it in your own voice. So if you choose to record it on your phone or even if you have a laptop on your phone using your webcam and just film a little video, um, just make sure it's safe, you know, no one's going to access that. You don't have to, it's not about uploading that to social media or anything like that. It's just for you to keep track of your own journey. And I think it's so powerful when you can hear it in your own voice. Like even if you're crying, even if you're shaking, even if you're really, really struggling and being able to just voice yourself and being able to really re like um, record your current state that you are in, it is such um, a powerful way, but also it, it helps you let go of a lot of these tension that you're holding on to. It sounds really silly, like talking to yourself or having a conversation with yourself, but it is so therapeutic and I would very much recommend people um, to do that. And also in terms of like linking that in with yoga, how honestly, like how can you go practice yoga on the mat doing all these poses when, you're, when your mind is a mess, when your whole when your whole brain is just about to explode by doing yoga or any form of exercise or any for more feel-good activities, that's just a distraction, you know? Like, it doesn't get you anywhere. If you're feeling so overwhelmed, go into yoga. You might feel a little bit more relaxed afterwards, but I don't think you're going to you're going to walk out feeling like I'm a new person, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. So for I sure. think this is more of the pre-work that you have to do before actually doing yoga. And to me, I think it's also a form of, a form of respect you can have for yourself and your time because 
if you're choosing to put time into doing yoga, you um, putting time aside to exercise, you want to respect yourself for that time that you put into. You're not using that time as a buffer to just get from, oh, I'm feeling so bad right now. If I do this, time will pass. I'll feel better. That's doing a disservice to yourself, right? You need to respect that time. And in order to truly respect that time is for you to let go of all these things you're holding on to so you don't use that time as your distraction you actually can maximize the benefits of doing whatever feel good activities you want to do yeah absolutely i love um i love the idea of i know some people it might immediately sound weird to some people but as someone who is frequently sending voice notes to people um i often find that um voicing my thoughts out uh, can be, and I think there's benefits to both. I think there's, I'm, I'm a handwritten journal person as well, but I think there's benefits to both in that, you know, when you're speaking, it's kind of what's in your head, it's going directly out into, you know, out of through your mouth. And yeah, you don't, you're kind of just letting everything out. That's kind of in your head. I really like it for, I have to do a lot of writing and that kind of thing for work. So if I'm trying to figure out how to go about it, um, I will often just like voice note myself and just brainstorm out loud because I find that easier than brainstorming kind of in my head. And that's very different, I suppose, to relaxation and meditation but I think it's a similar sort of vein in that like there's just a lot going on you're very overwhelmed and you need to just process it and sending a voice note to yourself is one way to process all of that that's kind of happening in your head um so I I I really like that one and I'm definitely going to give it a go after after um, this episode, maybe tonight, um, later after this episode recording is over. But I guess what are the challenges that some people might have? Um, in terms of doing this practice? Yeah. Um, well, I think there, there are definitely quite a few challenges. One is how to actually get comfortable with doing that because even you said to some people straight off the bat they will think this is so stupid like why would I do that or you know our little gen z's would think this is so cringy why is this happening you know there's all these cringe or whatever people will will put a label on this act of um helping yourself because it does sound silly and the thing is it's I think the hardest part is to get past that judgment you have for yourself to begin with because you it's it's so much judgment for you to even say something out loud a lot of the times whether we feel a sense of guilt or a sense of um, shame you know it's really hard to say these things out loud even writing down as well I you know for me I do a combination of the two like actually writing with a pen in a notebook and you know doing sound recording sometimes you know you might think you're very honest with yourself but when it comes to writing something out you feel like, oh my gosh, like I can't, I can't do this. So it's the first step of actually getting past this judgment for yourself. Because, you know, like I said, if you're recording on your phone and if you're doing it in a notebook, that's very private to you, right? No, hopefully no one else have access to that. Um, even though you know it's private, it's for you only, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard for some people. And for me, in certain situations, I'm thinking, oh, I, I don't know, like I feel ashamed for saying that and that that's definitely a challenge and I think you just have to really push that knowing okay this is so uncomfortable but hey this is actually what's going on in my head in my mind let's just get past that um 
And another challenge is, I think that comes with, um, so say you're new to doing this practice, right? This is your first time ever. I mean, most of us would have had a fair share of um, experience to writing journal, you know, when we we're kids or writing letters or whatever you might do with a pen. Most people have that um, exposure. And some people may never have had any exposure to recording or hearing their own voice. And you know, some people get cringe when they hear their own um, phone um, voicemail yeah. and they're like, ooh, do I sound like this? I, I feel yeah. that way. Um, <laughs> for sure. And so say you decided, okay, I'm going to take on this advice and do it for the first time. Sometimes that emotion that can come out of that is so overwhelming and can it can always be off-putting. You're just thinking, say, especially for people who have gone through severe trauma, especially, or um, especially if these traumas are really recent, by doing that, it can bring out so much that you've ever expected. And all of a sudden you think, is this self-harm? Is this like self-destruction by doing that? And then that can put you off. But I think you need to be mindful that this is definitely not a form of self-harm and it's definitely not um, throwing yourself under the bus. It's a way of you you are creating space for yourself you're holding up this safe like a safe shelter for yourself to fully be honest and be raw with yourself and your emotions and um and if you're someone who's very um I guess like end goal or results driven then think about the big picture think about how relaxed and how great you're going to feel once you actually get past this point of discomfort so you just gotta take that little step and have um have some faith to know that once you get past that, it gets easier and you feel a little bit better, even just by 1%. Yeah, absolutely. I am cringe, but I am free, I think is a mantra that more people need to live by. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> what's um a practice or a habit that you would combine um a kind of this verb verbal journaling with? Um, deep breathe deep breath deep breath so deep Deep breathing that's what I wanted to say deep breathe (laughs) thinking of two words at the same time so (laughs) breathing um I think our breath and people talk about breathing you see like pictures on Pinterest all the time inhale exhale and you know it's so overly shared but I feel like a lot of us aren't actually doing it right and we're not doing it properly so you know when people say or like deep breathing, you know, like whenever you hear someone who's going through a crisis, you're like deep breathing, right? And then you see this person who's has been crying or has been super overwhelmed and you see them going like, like their shoulders are raising, their chest is puffing out. But that's not deep breathing. That's just you breathing through your chest. And if anything, that ring forces how you've been feeling a moment ago. So someone who's been crying hysterically, you know, like, have you ever cried so much to the point that your chest is hurting, your whole body is sore from like yeah. going like that or from running? Same thing, right? So by someone, if you tell someone to just take a deep breath and they go, you know, it's reinforcing whatever that they've been feeling. I don't think that's going to make them feel great afterwards because what do you feel? You're just like, it's a repeat of how they were feeling a moment ago. So deep breathing is actually, it stems from your, your belly. Um, I, so whenever I teach yoga for people, especially who are new, I always tell people to have one hand on their chest and one hand on their belly. Because to me, one, you're having this sense of groundingness that you have your own hand on your body. It's reassuring to know, 
hey, I've got you. I'm here and I can feel your heartbeat, your breathing, you're alive. You know, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, but also I use the two hands as a comparison because I like to ask my students to feel whether it's their chest that's raising up or whether it's their belly. Because a lot of the times we breathe through our chest and our belly's not moving at all. But in order to really deepen that breath, you really have to allow your belly to puff out like a balloon. And, you yeah. know, living in a society where, you know, body image is such a big thing, people, you know, you always see people say they're taking a photo and they're like, hold on a second, let me just suck it in. You know, everyone's yeah. just like sucking the belly or having clothes that's very confined on your midsection. And then after a while, you forget what it's like to breathe freely, to completely breathe into yourself because we're constantly like, you know, sucking in. And I'm like, you know, so you're not breathing properly. So it's like relearning how to breathe. It sounds really silly, but you know, babies know. And when you watch a baby, right, when a baby's like sort of lying flat, you see their round, big, well, they're not big. They're like little round belly just going puff at, puffing in and out. That's a way of deep breathing. So I think in order to, you know, while you're journaling, whether you're writing it with a pen or a pencil or whether you're um, recording a voicemail or, you know, just a voice recording on your phone, be mindful of how you're breathing while you're doing these activities. And if you can actually um, allow yourself to combine the two technique, it can really help you. And it can probably help you process a lot more and you have a lot more ideas popping popping up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. And I feel like we could talk about this <laughs> forever. Um, but um, I am I am going to move on. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to move on to our open mic section in which I let you have kind of a mini TED talk <laughs> about whatever you feel like um, at the moment. Um, Vicky, what, what was something that you feel like you wanted to chat about to kind of close off our episode? Okay. Okay. Here's the, that's the challenging question that we've been waiting for. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I, I guess like it's a little bit relevant to personal development as well is finding passion project. So I'm very passionate about finding passion, if that makes sense. So, um, this is something I've had, um, you know, it, it, it came up a lot in conversations with friends recently. I think it just being in our twenties and being in this kind of like this awkward stage in life where you're not super young, where you're like 18, 19, still trying to figure out, you know, what you want to do and what, you know, what you're good at, um, comparing to people who um, in a later stage in life where, you know, in their 30s or in their 40s, they are a lot more established or they've tried different things and they know what's worked and what didn't work. And, you know, so I feel like we're in this like very awkward stage of growth. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to find your passion project. Um, when I say that is a lot of the times, again, in personal development, development as well, we get so carried away with, um, you know, we need to achieve certain things, people, people who are into properties or finance and all these things, you have all these bigger goals that you want to achieve. And during the process of it, we forget how to have fun. We forget how to find things that we do that we actually enjoy you know that's super different for everyone people can find joy in the most random things like I do some very random things to find joy they could be really simple they could be you know some of these habits could be um quite um 
financially consuming or time consuming, but some of them could just be really simple. So I'm really big on, you know, for myself as well as for people around me, I always encourage people around me to really like dig a little deeper to see what your passions are, especially at this, like at this stage in your life, whether you're super established or whether you're still trying to find, you know, your, your path. But it's, it's never, you, you always, you should always have the time to have passion. So for me, I'm this person that every year I will try heaps of different activities to find where my passions are. Cause I know obviously like with psychology, I'm very passionate about the human mind and I love doing yoga. So I have quite a few established passions, but at the same time, I'm constantly thinking, what else am I passionate about? What else can I have fun in doing it's not about like the achievement of being an entrepreneur or being you know being an expert in a certain field it's just about having fun so you know it's I whenever I meet someone I always ask them you know what are you passionate about what's your what do you do for fun um so for me recently as an example I started doing kickboxing and I absolutely love it and it's so funny because my kickboxing coach was like oh you're a yogi like what this is so random like you know you do yoga and you know doing kickboxing I'm hoping to train for a fight next year and it's just one of these things I'm like I'm really having fun doing that um and then you know I'll next month I'll start um learning belly dancing soon again it's something just just for fun and I think it's so important for um, everyone to have a passion project. You don't have to have a lot of hobbies. You don't have to have a lot of passion because again, it's very, it can be expensive and it can be very time consuming, but I don't know, do yourself a favor to, even if you can't do it every month, maybe every six months, try something, find a passion. And even if it's like the passions only within the short period of time and you lose interest afterwards, so be it, that's fine. Try something else. So that's something I would like to, I guess, like advocate and really um, motivate others to do that as well. So you don't just go into a stale of being thinking, this is my life now, what what more can this get? Or there's no more excitement in life or, you know, anything like that. So. No, I so agree. I'm very much with you there. I feel like um, sometimes we get so focused. I mean, again, we were talking about it, you know, being career driven or having, you know, being really good at something um, that we kind of sometimes forget that at least in my experience, life is just much more fulfilling when you are more well-rounded and your interests and your passions are kind of well-rounded. You have many of them and you pursue them when you want to just for the fun of it and just for the fun of learning. Um, So yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm with you there. Um, I I feel like nothing you've said so far this episode has been caught me off guard. I've been in complete agreement with you (laughs) the entire time. So that's been, that's been great. Yeah. Well, it's just one thing. I feel like it's like connecting with your own like soul elements. It's like what your soul is longing for, you know, what you're aching for, connect with that. And even that, even if that takes a little bit to, you know, find that connection, it's like that connection you have in yourself. It takes a little bit, bit of um, exploring and, you know, testing it out. But, you know, it's the process of it that makes it fun. And another thing is, I mean, you guys probably get heaps of like experts to come on your show. A lot of the times people who are really good in their field and, you know, for me, for example, I teach yoga, but when I go to kickboxing, 
just put, like changing, you know, being a different seat, being the student, being someone who's like, I have no idea what I'm doing and just sitting back and re- like learning everything, having someone there to teach you. It's so fun. It's very humbling and it's just really nice to be able to say, hey, like I'm not responsible to be good at this. I'm just here for the fun. I'm here to for a good time. That's such an important aspect that I'm personally trying to teach myself when it comes to my hobbies and passions as well, which is that I don't actually have to be good at them No, Um, (laughs) because I'm naturally a perfectionist and I have to be like absolutely perfect at everything I do. But I've slowly been kind of trying to teach myself to be just satisfied with the act of doing as opposed to the achievement of completing or doing well. Um, And I think it's it's. Part of, again, relaxation is kind of switching away from having to stimulate your brain and just doing something that makes you feel at Good. peace. Yes. Yeah. Makes you feel at peace, make you feel this natural sense of joy. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, it's nothing for you to be jumping up and down feeling like, I am so stoked. It's not that. It's just this natural sense of, oh, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm content just being yeah. in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, we've had such a wonderful conversation so far, and I'm sorry that we have to bring it to an end. No, at the thank moment. you for making this so easy for me. It's so <laughs> easy to talk to. Uh, I I try my best, <laughs> but I guess if any of our audience does want to talk to you further, um, where can they find you? Um, I will link my LinkedIn and also my email as well. I'm actually not on any social media at all. I'm. One of those people, I don't, I don't know, I haven't had social media for a long time, but yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and email. So you can always contact me that way. Absolutely. Well, we'll put the links to all of that um, in our show notes um, so people can get in contact with you that way as well. Uh, But thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've genuinely really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And I really love chatting with you. It's been really fun. Have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Nice to meet you. You've been listening to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can also be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.